I think it's important for people to know a little bit about the presenter. So I want to begin by telling you a little bit about me. I was born blind. I'm a member of the American Council of the Blind. I live in Portland, Oregon. Portland is the fifth state I have called home. My interests include animals, sports, reading, and writing. My qualifications for doing this podcast, and I'm including this because I want you to know that I do have some credentials that give me the ability to talk about these topics. I have a law license from the state of Massachusetts. I'm a certified Americans with Disabilities Act coordinator, certified by the ADA National Network and the University of Missouri. I'm a certified professional in accessibility. My professional background. Currently, I'm the disability analyst for Portland Parks and Recreation. And what that means is I'm developing policies and training staff on those policies to help Portland's parks become more accessible to and inclusive of people with disabilities. Prior to my work with Portland Parks, I was the city of Portland's ADA Title II policy analyst working out of the Portland Office of Equity and Human Rights. In that role, I helped develop citywide guidance on complying with Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and I trained city staff on complying with the policies and on the city's rights and responsibilities under Title II. Prior to working for the government of Portland, I was a contract attorney for a disability rights law firm called Disability Rights Advocates in Berkeley, California. And before that, I worked for what was then called the American Bar Association's Commission on Mental and Physical Disability Law as a staff attorney. Presentation Roadmap. I'm going to cover three primary topics in this episode. Why I'm doing this podcast, about this podcast, and then we're going to get into the substance of the material and begin with a very brief look at ADA basics. And when I say very brief, I mean very brief. We're going to ease into this material slowly. So why am I doing this podcast? The answer to that is complicated, but it boils down into what I think is a simple premise. And that is that the ADA is, unfortunately, a complaint-based civil rights law. Now, several times throughout this podcast series, I will interject my opinion because I think it's important to give some context to what we're talking about that goes beyond just regurgitating the nuts and bolts of the law. And when I do that, as I'm doing now, I will make it clear that I'm giving my opinion. 
So when I say the ADA is a complaint-based civil rights law, that is my opinion. I believe it is a well-founded opinion based on the fact that the federal government does not put anywhere near enough resources into enforcing the ADA. And I will give examples of that as we move throughout the podcast series. But for now, I hope you can take my word for it. And I think, honestly, in all of our lives, we know that's true, because we know there is still a lot of inaccessibility. We know there is still a lot of problems in the areas of employment. So the reason I really want to do this podcast is because it's a complaint-based civil rights law, and even other things that aren't covered under the ADA, like Section 504 of the Rehab Act, Section 508 of the Rehab Act, the kind of benefits people get from Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare, all of that depends on our ability to advocate for ourselves as individuals. But the most important point I want to leave folks with here is that every individual victory that we achieve by filing a complaint, raising an issue with someone, explaining an accessibility challenge that we face, makes things better for all of us. And that's really what I hope to achieve with this podcast series, is I want to give people a grounding in what are our rights as people with disabilities under the number of laws that give us some degree of protection. And I want to help people understand how to enforce the individual rights that they have under the law. And then, ultimately, I would be thrilled if we could start sharing testimonials and I could have folks come on and talk about victories that they have achieved, something that they have made more accessible. Because as I said, every time we get something done individually, it benefits the community as a whole. And I'm going to talk about some of the things that I have done in a minute. But simply put, if we want change, we have to be the change we want made. It is that simple. It's not right in my view, but it's real. Along those lines, I want to discuss three different complaints that I myself have worked on. And I've chosen these because they address three different areas of complaining and accessing rights. The first one I want to talk about is against my garbage and recycling company, Waste Management. For a long time, I had difficulty paying my bill online. A few months ago, it became almost impossible. It was very, very difficult and incredibly inconveniencing. Knowing that waste management is a billion-dollar company and that they have been subject to the law for a long time, decades, I went to them 
and I explained the situation, and I told them in very direct terms that if I didn't have a response from them on how it was going to be fixed by a certain period of time, that I would file a complaint with the Department of Justice against waste management. And I'm happy to report that they called me back within days. And the payment process is substantially more accessible than it was when I started this process. There still are some things that I'm going to be ironing out with them, but we're in a much better place. And anyone who is a customer of waste management is benefiting from the changes that have been made and will benefit even more when the changes are fully done. The second issue I want to talk about is a complaint I made against my student loan provider, Nelnet. Nelnet, as a direct recipient of federal money and a partner with the Department of Education on administering student loan access, is covered by Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act. And we're going to get into more specifics about 508 in a future episode. But for now, let's just go with Nelnet was covered by 508 because it was and is covered by 508. So in this case, knowing that they had an even heightened responsibility and knowing that people with disabilities as loan borrowers have to engage with Nelnet, I did not go directly to Nelnet. I was angry. So I went right away and filed a complaint with the Section 508 people. Within a matter of days, I heard from Nelnet, and I walked them through the problems. And now, at least the last time I had to engage with it, the web issues that I was having were completely resolved. And so again, anyone who has a student loan through Nelnet has benefited from the actions that I took. The third one I want to discuss is a complaint I filed against Rite Aid for the inaccessible vaccine sign-up portal. I want to talk about this one because in this case I did go directly to the Department of Justice Office on Civil Rights. I didn't go to Rite Aid because I couldn't at all figure out <laughs> who to contact about this and how to contact them. And I didn't want it being stuck in a labyrinth um, looking for the right person. I just wasn't willing to spend time on that. And so I just filed my complaint with DOJ. Some of you may have heard that DOJ has settled a number of complaints against vaccine portal and accessibility with different entities. And Rite Aid is one of them. As a part of that, I did not participate other than I filed my complaint. They didn't take any other testimony from me. I didn't speak with Rite Aid individually, but eventually it was fixed. And the reason it was fixed is because probably a lot of other people besides me filed and some folks probably filed before me, which is why all I did was give additional information and I got to be done with it. I didn't have to continue negotiating. And that made me really happy because even though I know how to do these things and I think they're important, I'd rather not spend my life doing them.
Now we're going to talk a little bit about this podcast. As I've said before, we're going to cover several aspects of disability law. We're going to begin with the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. We're also going to cover sections 504 and 508 of the Rehabilitation Act. We're also going to cover the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, WCAG. WCAG is not a law, but it has been largely adopted by Section 508, and it is looked to by the courts for what does and doesn't constitute accessible web content. So we're going to go there as well. We are also going to look at different benefits processes like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. But I want to be very clear. This is not my podcast. Just as making change is our job, this is our podcast. And so the order of things will be determined by community feedback and what folks think they should hear about next. So I want to be very clear about that. Any questions or comments, anything you'd like to see covered on this podcast, I want to hear from you. And in a little bit, there will be information as to how you can be in touch with me. The beginning focus on this podcast is going to be the ADA, and specifically, it's going to be Title II of the ADA. And we're going to give examples as to why that is in a few minutes. For now, let's talk about how this will work. There is a website for this podcast. It is called demandouraccess.com. That is demandouraccess.com. I chose that website name because we do have to demand our access. Whether we want to or not, that's the reality when you have complaint-based civil rights laws. We have to demand our access. Now, what constitutes a demand made by me may be different than what constitutes a demand made by you. But the fact is, we have to advocate for our access. And every time we do, things are better for all of us. That's why I added the our access. These podcasts will be recorded in Zoom through ACB Community every other Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. In the beginning of the podcast, I will give an introduction and then we will move into a pre-recorded presentation. What you are listening to right now is the pre-recorded presentation for this episode. Throughout the podcast, even during the pre-recorded portion, we will stop and take questions. So there will be plenty of chances during the normal podcast when we get into the real meat of disability law for people to ask any questions that they want. I want to talk a little bit about episode resources. One of the reasons I created a website and again, it's demandouraccess.com, to go with this podcast is because I want to post PDF 
presentations. So about 24 hours or more prior to each live podcast recording, I'm going to post a PDF file for the podcast. The PDF will not contain everything that I'm going to say, but it'll be a high-level overview. I hope that if someone misses an episode, the PDF will give them the ability to go back and at least get the high points of what was covered. But the website will also host either the recording of the presentation or it will cover the entire recording, including the Q&A parts. I don't know exactly how that's going to work yet because I have to work that out with the folks at ACB Community. So when we know exactly how that's going to work, um, we will certainly let you know. On the website, and the website is only about a week old, so it is very much in its early development, I will also share links to related resources for each of the different topics we cover. And I may, as I deem it necessary, share information that may go beyond the scope of what we're recording. But basically, I hope the website can serve as a hub of information related to disability law and presented in the order in which we're doing these episodes. The website will also allow you to contact me either through a contact form or by sending me an email. Again, you will have access to all kinds of resources through the website. Now I'm going to stop and see if there are any questions at this time. Before we go, let's take a brief look at basics under the Americans with Disabilities Act. The Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, ADA, has five titles. Title I addresses the employment of people with disabilities. Title II primarily covers access to the activities, programs, and services offered by state and local governments. Title III applies to places of public accommodation. And what that really means primarily is businesses, hotels, restaurants, concert venues, sports stadiums, places where we go or we deal with online, although that is a little tricky and we'll get into that when we need to. <laughs> Title IV of the ADA deals with telecommunications. We aren't going to talk a lot about Title IV, but the most important part of Title IV was the establishment of the relay service that folks who are deaf or hard of hearing can use to make text-based phone calls. Title V of the ADA deals with what it calls miscellaneous provisions. And we aren't going to spend a lot of time on Title V. Instead, I will talk about it as necessary um, when we move throughout the different podcast topics. Now let's briefly look at what's coming up in the next episode of this podcast. We're going to start by focusing on Title II of the ADA, 
which again, primarily applies to the activities, programs, and services of state and local governments. The next episode is going to focus on the primary responsibilities of the state and local governments to people with disabilities. So we're going to be discussing when a covered entity has to appoint an ADA coordinator. We're going to discuss the notice of rights. So each entity has to notify the public of their rights under Title II of the ADA. We're going to discuss the grievance or complaint procedure. Each entity is supposed to establish, publish, and then follow a grievance procedure that allows us to complain when things are not working the way they should under the law and we are not getting accessible services. We're also going to discuss the self-evaluation, which in very simple terms is an assessment of the activities, programs, and services of a local government to find out whether or not they are accessible and when they are not and access can be achieved through what the law calls programmatic access, the self-evaluation should identify the steps that will be taken to achieve programmatic access. And again, we'll have a lot more on this in the next episode. And the final main topic of our next meeting will be the transition plan. In its simplest form, the transition plan is a public schedule of barrier removal that tells the public when physical barriers that have to be removed to achieve programmatic access will be removed. And to step out of legalese and hopefully make that more understandable, I'll give a brief example. So let's say a city has a lot of meetings in an old meeting hall that is not accessible to people who use mobility devices like wheelchairs and scooters. The self-evaluation was supposed to identify those inaccessibilities. And if there is no other way to provide access to those meetings, the transition plan would schedule the removal of the barriers that prevent access. So for example, the transition plan might say, we're going to install an elevator to the second floor in this year. We're going to install an accessible restroom in that year. And so that is a very brief look at what is coming up in the next episode. By way of reminder, the next episode will be Saturday, December 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern. The folks with the ACB community will be giving the Zoom information and more information as it becomes available about that episode. And the information will be published to the Demand Our Access website. So you, you'll be able to find out more about the episode in both places. And again, the PDF to accompany the next episode will be put on the website 24 hours prior to the recording of the podcast. With that, I will end the recorded portion of this presentation, and we will see if we have any questions.